We begin on this opening day, Masters first round, Tiger Woods comeback day. Hour number three of the Bill Michaels Show. How we're looking. Oh, enjoying the day. Just loving it so far. Just loving it. Welcome back to the program. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends at Bud Light, Bud Light Seltzer, the hard soda, and Budweiser. And we are going to be live a week from today down at Stenny's, second and National Walker's Point, bringing you the Brewers home opener, all the fun and frivolity of opening day. Plus, they have shuttles. They run down to the uh, ballpark. So if you want to come down and join us for the broadcast, we're going to be down there live and in person. And then, bam, just all you got to do is jump on the shuttle, go to American Family Field, enjoy the game, come back and enjoy the rest of the evening down at Stenny's. And we are brought to you by our friends at Budweiser, the official beer sponsor of Major League Baseball. Joining us now, our good buddy Andrew Wagner on the ground down there in Wrigley. Uh, Andrew, what's it like down there weather-wise? Uh, this strange orange orb appeared in the sky just moments ago um, in a blue sky. So we're, we're seeking shelter and trying to figure out if this means there's an apocalypse coming. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, the big news of the day is the sign that the Brewers tweeted out a little while ago that said, no tailgating. So it's illegal to tailgate in Chicago, and people here just can't wrap their minds around that. Well, what do you expect? They can't even drive, so it's probably good they're not tailgating. <laughs> hey <laughs> So give me, your, uh, give me your insight into this team. They had a workout yesterday. Uh, then they uh, winged their way down to uh, Chicago. The three-game series gets underway. The season gets underway today. So what, l- let me ask you this. First of all, what do you expect? You know what? We were talking about this. I, I wrote down with one of my fellow reporters, Will Salmon of The Athletic, and the thing that we were talking about was, you know, there's always that cliche every year that opening day is a new chapter, but this doesn't feel like a new chapter. It literally feels like you're turning the page from last year's group because so many guys are returning. So much is the same. Yeah, they've added some pieces here and there, but this is pretty much the same group that ended things last year in the most disappointing way imaginable, and they're coming here gung-ho on, on, on getting to a World Series. Like, it's very ho-hum and very business-like. It's kind of like, if you remember, this is apples and oranges, but no. Remember after the Packers fell in the NFC Championship game with the Cowboys, what was that, I think, 94, 95? And then they came back that next year, that, that 96 season, and made that run. And you just mm-hmm. kind of knew from the very beginning that this is what they're going to do. And anything short will be a fit. That's the feeling you get being around these guys right now. They know that they came up way short last year and they think that they're gonna they're gonna go past that this year the uh i mean the thought is is that it's going to be them and in la by the time it's all said and done i don't know what atlanta is going to have to do or philadelphia is going to have to do to play a part of that but that seems to be the prevailing thought when it comes to whether or not these two teams are going to match up in an lcs you're a long way away as we all know so, uh, you know, what, what in your opinion, because I said, look, to me, get out of the first month. Even if you're not leading, just get out of the first month without any arm issues, without any elbow issues or shoulder issues because of the ramped up spring training, the ramped up uh, amount of games, the fact that pitchers didn't get a chance to do as much work. Just get out of the first month injury free, right? That's exactly it. Health, health is going to be, as always, as, as always the case in baseball, health is going to be the biggest thing for the Brewers this year. Forget about what the offense might or might not do. The pitchers need to stay healthy to do what they did last year. The numbers might not be exactly the same, but if you're getting your big three going out there 30 times a pop and and, and getting 25 from your next three guys, you're going to be in really good shape. 
So Corbin Burns taking the hill today. I said earlier, and Ben and I were talking about this, if he's got a no-hitter through four and Craig Council pulls him, you're going to have people go nuts. And I said, if you don't understand why they're pulling him or whatever the pitch count happens to be today, you don't know what the hell's going on. I don't care if he's throwing an absolute perfect game. I'm not leading that guy, leaving that guy out there past, say, four or five innings tops. Absolutely. I mean, you, you cannot, you cannot, for a team that has realistic, this isn't, and I wrote this this morning, this isn't a team that was, you know, thinking, okay, can get to the playoffs and maybe if things go right, you know, go deep. No, they literally believe that they are a World Series team. And you cannot be a World Series team if you don't have absolute stud pitching. You just can't. And you're not going to have absolute stud pitching. If you're letting guys go out there on opening day in crappy weather after a short spring and throw 120 pitches, nine innings, it just doesn't happen. Um, they are too smart with these guys. There's too much science involved. There's too much research involved. You can be upset about it. And I know people are still upset about the no-hitter last year. That's just the way the game is. You can complain about it. And at the end, you're just going to have wasted a whole bunch of breath because it ain't going to change. What's the biggest acquisition for this team? Is it picking up? Uh, you know, uh, the, the the new catcher because you know, Pedro Severino goes down because of the 80 games? Is it McCutcheon? Is it, is it uh, you know, who is it? Is it Hunter Renfro? Who's the biggest pickup this season? I, I tell you what, Bill. I, I mean, he was on the roster last year, but I think the biggest pickup will end up being a healthy Keston Hira and a productive Keston Hira. You know, because you're not – you know what you're going to get out of McCutcheon? He's not going to be an everyday player. Caratini's not going to be an everyday player, but a very important player nonetheless. Rosso's going to be important. But look, if Keston here returns to the form that he showed in 2019, that will be the single biggest pickup for the Brewers this year because he has got a bat that can carry a team, and they will need that this year. Um, so, yeah, I know it's not exact, but that to me, when I look at things, that's what the biggest pickup is because they haven't had him now in two years. What about Tyrone Taylor in all of this? Because his spring training, as he sits today, kind of went by the wayside. I mean, everybody noticed it, but the pickup of McCutcheon, Renfro, obviously, he becomes low man on the totem pole in the outfield. Give me your thoughts on Tyrone Taylor. You know, I, I think he likes it that way. He likes kind of being under the radar and just going out there and working. You know, this is the thing. This is the, he amazes me. Like, if I'm ever having a bad day, I want to go talk to this guy because he takes every single thing that it could be seen as negative and finds a positive in it. You know, he knows he's going to get playing time. Obviously, he wants to be an everyday starter, but he knows, having seen what's happened the last couple of years in terms of injuries, in terms of how they manage the roster, he's going to get chances to play on a regular basis. So he just goes about his business. And the amazing thing is, every time he steps in the plate or steps on the field, he seems to make something happen. And that's, that's a hell of a quality, especially for a young guy uh, trying to stay fresh on a day-to-day basis without regular playing time. Like, that's... That's impressive work. Um, I wanted to ask you also, when you go, I want to go back to Keston Hero for a minute. This, to me, is kind of one of his prove-it years. Let's just say he doesn't get off to a fast start. He does struggle again with major league pitching. Then what? Then, you know, the good thing is you can still stick him down in the minors and let him work it out and then bring him into camp next year. Uh, he won't have any options left. But, you know, you still have like two years left on this guy before you have to, you know, cut your losses. So, Keston here, uh, they would be a great boon for the team if he reversed the form. But the beauty of it is it won't sink them because the way the roster is designed, the way the offense is designed, at least going into game one on paper, they don't have to rely on one guy to carry it. Now, whether that happens or not, obviously, remains to be seen. But 
they have the ability to overcome one guy not struggling. And as of right now, here it is not – you don't look at him as being an everyday player. He, he's looked at as a utility guy right now. So you don't need him to go out there and slug a home run every other day. It'd be great, but he basically will have to play his way into the starting lineup. If you see Keston here out there on an everyday basis, that means one of two things. One, you know, seven guys got kidnapped in, our, in a, you know, Russian POW camp. Or two, Keston here has been swinging a red-hot bat and forced himself into the lineup on an everyday basis. Um, talking with Andrew Wagner, by the way, you can find him on Twitter at by Andrew Wagner. Now go back to the two biggest question marks this year. And I think uh, we are looking for a prove it year out of Christian Yelich and possibly the last year of Lorenzo Cain, who really, after coming back from injury last year, uh, performed pretty well. So if you get that for a full season, uh, 272 batting average and all the numbers that go along with it, uh, it's going to be a huge year for Lorenzo Cain. But Christian Yelich is the question mark. Give me your thoughts on him. You know, I, I, I'm not concerned about Christian Yelich. I, I, and I have said this millions of times, and I, I, I know I sound like a broken record. I probably said it in conversation with you. I will never for a second believe that that shutdown in early 2020 did not wreck a whole number of ball players offensively and really screw them up uh, to the point where it lasted all through last year. If it was just Yelich struggling, Okay, but you look around baseball and look at some of the stars who have really bit it last year. I mean, Cordy Bellinger is the guy I point to all the time. He had a miserable year last year, too. He turned it around near the end, but still. Uh, Chris Taylor, who, who you know hit, had the, the big moment in the playoffs. Like, guys that just you expect more of, but stunk. Um, so you, you go back two years, you look at Yelich coming in with that knee issue and then getting started up, then shutting down, then a quick camp, then, you know, just a weird year. Um, then the back issue, like things happen, things throw you off. I don't think he's as bad as we've seen the last few years. There's no way Christian Yelich is that bad of a baseball player. Um, did, do I think? Did the lack of did the lack of Andrew? Did the lack of power in spring training bother you? Um, a little bit, but at the same time, you're not seeing guys going out there and, and putting 100 percent into it because just like just like the pitchers. You know, you got your guys aren't going out there swinging 100% either. They're going out there just to get their hacks and get their motion. Um, it's a little concerning, but it's always a different ball game when you're going from spring training into the regular season. And, and, and you're because remember, pitchers aren't throwing regular stuff either. They're they're not giving you stuff. You know, they're not giving you a lot to hit. So you can look at it and say, okay, this isn't right. Um, but you got to wait and see when the season actually starts against real pitching. If we get to May or June and he still doesn't have the power, then okay, then you start to worry a little bit. But if his other numbers are there, all right. Because remember, he was never really that much of a power hitter before he came to Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, I'm uh, on a day like today, though, with the wind blowing out, maybe a good pop-up will get him on the board, you know? Yeah, and it all, all it takes is one sometimes. You know, get that, get that off your back and, and just say, okay, here we go. It's, it's go time now. So, I mean, baseball such a mental game. You know, you and I know that. Like, it, it's... One of those things where you have one good day, that turns into two good days, that turns into three. And if, if you're in a good spot in the head, you're in a good spot in the plate. Talk about the bullpen. We know Hader. We know Devin Williams. Boxberger's there. Brent Suter's there. Give me the rest of the bullpen and how it looks uh, to you. You know, right now, it looks like it always does. It's going to be a bunch of guys that can come in in any situation, any role, any matchup. And those guys are probably not – most of those guys – might not be here in about two weeks. You know, the Brewers will make as much use of that bullpen and bring fresh arms in there as much as possible. Um, they're going to rotate in and out throughout the year. 
And that's the way they find success. The beauty is they don't need to rely as much on, on strong middle relievers because they have starters that can work deep and such a great back end of the bullpen. So a lot of flexibility. And that's, a lot of times that's where you win games is, is flexibility in your relief court. Give me your thoughts on Woodruff and the, and the spring training he had. I was asking Kevin Holden about this a little earlier, and Kevin said, ah, give it a month before you have any kind of a worry at all. Do you have any worry about Woodruff and the spring training he had? No, because this is usually how he looks in spring. Um, and I, th- I think it's different this year because that short spring, you, you saw guys going about their starts differently. Um, you know, Woodruff knows that he stunk, and, and Woodruff's even talked about how he's come out of the gate slow the last couple of years. It's something he's been working on. Um, so, no, I really don't have much concern. You know what you're going to get out of him. Some guys just take a little while to settle in and find their rhythm and find their groove, and, and Woodruff just happens to be one of those guys. I think at the end of the year, he'll be right up there in the Cy Young station, along with Peralta, along with Burns and everyone else in the NL. I was going to ask you about Freddie Peralta. Give me your thoughts there, too, because Freddie looked really good in spring training, I thought. Yeah, you just you kind of to like see. It's easy to forget how young he is. Like he's still putting it together. Like you kind of want to go out there and see, like, okay, you're doing this. It's kind of like when you have a kid and they're learning how to ride a bike, and you take the one training wheel off, and then they do all right, then you take the second one off, and it's you get that excitement seeing a young guy harnessing his potential and getting one step closer to fulfilling his potential. You didn't hear a lot about Freddie this spring, which means you know things are going good for him. Just, you know, another year making progress in his development. I'm the, you know, the next potential site on winner. Good stuff as, uh, as always. And we will see you a week from today as we imbibe and we uh, eat and we be merry and we feast uh, down at Stenny's, okay? Yeah, I got to come down and pay my tab for my birthday anyway. So I had a great time <laughs> down there. Outstanding. All right, bud. <laughs> be great. We'll talk to you soon. There you go. That is Andrew Wagner. Joining us from down at Wrigley Field inside uh, that press box and uh, getting ready for game one out of 162 this season. And uh, the Brewers and the Cubs getting underway in about an hour from now. And again, if you want to continue to listen to the program all throughout the rest of the afternoon through its entirety, uh, by all means, uh, there's a couple of ways to do so. One, we're going to stay live over on uh, the, uh, the fan page. So if you want to follow the Bud Light live stream, we're going to be there the entire time. No problem. You can also download, if you're listening to us via radio, download the app. Download the app. You can listen to the app as well. Uh, you can download it on, on your Apple phone, Android phone, Google phone, whatever it happens to be. Just search whatever your app store is and go to W-O-Z-N, The Zone Madison. The Zone Madison, that's our flagship station out of Madison. You can follow the program there. And then... Uh, if you miss anything and you want to go back and take a listen to it again, you can always do so. We are on Spotify. We are on Apple iTunes. We are on Google Podcasts. Uh, I don't usually send you off to the different uh, listening areas, but you can find us on Odyssey. You can find us on iHeart uh, as we are on 920 in Milwaukee uh, as well. And it's great to be back on in Milwaukee. So for Brewers fans going to the game, uh, you can listen to us there or maybe going out and about to watch the game somewhere. You can always listen to us there, which is great. So, so many ways to pay attention to the program. We certainly appreciate it. But I always say you can download the app. You can go to thebillmichaels.com, and there's a Listen Live link there. Or uh, subscribe to YouTube. Uh, go to youtube.com slash Show, 
And uh, you can catch everything right there as well. Go to uh, YouTube.com slash Bill Michael Show, and that's another great way to pay attention to the program and watch us on the Bud Light live stream. We're going to go ahead and take a quick break. Stay tuned. A lot more coming up on this Masters leadoff day, opening day, the baseball season, all that kind of good stuff right after this. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back. Some news coming out of uh, New York. Jacob DeGrom is on the 10-day IL with the shoulder issue. Max Scherzer has a right hamstring issue. So uh, things not going well already in New York for the Mets as they're uh, what they thought would be a, a pitching stable of, of staunchness is already showing signs of weakness. Uh, tonight you've got uh, the late game, the Reds and the Braves, nationally televised. That's coming up later on tonight. Obviously, uh, the other game this evening is going to be the Red Sox and the Yankees. Uh, not this evening. I'm sorry. That was postponed tomorrow. And then uh, the Brewers, obviously, today. They've got day games So for the, uh, for the series with Chicago. And on and off, the sun is coming out and going away and coming out and going away. So as we just heard from uh, Andrew Wagner basically saying, yeah, the, uh, the giant orange orb in the sky. Nobody knows what the hell it is. They're seeing it for the first time in a long time. They're just wondering what's going on. But uh, nevertheless, 877-867-1670-877-867-1670. If you want to find us, please uh, go ahead and do so. By the way, whoever came up with the uh, the saying that the rich get richer, probably not talking about NFL owners, but they might as well have been talking about the uh, franchises because... According to the numbers from Forbes, the title of the NFL's richest owner still goes to Carolina's David Tepper. $16.7 billion he has. It's up $2.2 billion from last year when he was only worth a paltry $14.5 billion. Uh, not only is he the richest NFL owner, but he's also the eighth richest owner of any sports team in the world, making him the only NFL owner to crack the world's top ten list, according to Forbes. So there you go. Um, there's a good chance uh, if the NFL decided to ever dump the salary cap that the Panthers would then become an unstoppable powerhouse because he has already said that he would put a bunch of money into it just to win a championship. Also, Stan Kroenke. Uh, he's not at the top of the list, but he would rank number one if you contacted the net worth of his entire family. The Rams owner married into Walmart. Ann Walton, don't forget, who separately is worth an estimated $9 billion. So the family total would then be close to $20 billion between those two. There you go. When you start to look at the NFL's richest owners. Um, just over $20 billion, Seattle's Paul Allen, the richest owner in the NFL before he died back in uh, 2018. And uh, the Seahawks, by the way, are now owned by Paul G. Allen, the trust, which is run by Allen's sister, Jody. But uh, you got Jerry Jones. $10.6 billion. Robert Kraft, 8.3. Stephen Ross, the Dolphins owner, $8.2 billion. 
Shahid Khan, the Jaguars owner, $7.6 billion. Arthur Blank of the Falcons, $7.1 billion. Then you got Stephen Biscotti of the Ravens, um, and it goes down from there. There you go. Uh, by the way, no single owner for the Green Bay Packers, therefore, nah, baby, nah. But just when you talk about NFL owners and their estimated value, whew, that's a chunk of change right there. I don't care who you are. It's a chunk of change. And I wonder if that's, that's not money in the bank. That's the one thing. People go, ah, it's money in the bank. No, it's not money in the bank. It's not money in the bank. Because the value of the franchises play into that, and you would actually have to sell the franchise to then um, to then garner that money and stick it in the account. And I would assume at some point uh, that, you know, <laughs> you would probably take some payments on that. I don't think you're going to get one check for, you know, a billion and a half dollars. Maybe you will. Who knows? But uh, I don't think you're going to get one check for that. But that's some that's some nice stuff. Um, 877-867-1670. If you want to call the program today, got a comment, question, whatever it happens to be regarding the Masters, regarding the Packers, regarding the Brewers, as they get set to get their season underway, that is fantastic. Bring it. Uh, this one is from Jennifer, who says, uh, favorite player is Christian Yelich. I hear all the talk about him. I wish people would lay off. Christian will be just fine. He has got a lot of pressure on him himself. Just by self-imposed pressure, he doesn't need pressure from the media and the fans. That is from Jennifer. Um, how do I respond to this? Jennifer, when you become a professional athlete, there are certain things that you know come along with it. When you're in your rookie contract, you're trying to prove yourself. There's going to be some adulation. There's going to be some eyebrows raised. There's going to be wonderment about the glass ceiling. How high can you go? Can you break through it? About your talent. There's going to be the word potential listed with you continuously. And then when you finally start to come to the forefront and you go from being a player to a really good player to an MVP, that then comes with a level of expectation. And people expect you when you set the when you set the bar, your performance sets the bar at a particular level. People begin to look at you in a certain way. Okay, so when you then go to this level, especially in the game of baseball, where you have these unbelievable back, you have one season. People go, boy, that was an apparition. Then you do it again, and people are like, whoa, whatever he's done. Or she's done to get better. Whoa. Okay. Now, baseball, going back to the he word, Christian Yelich performed over and above power numbers for a, a lanky, skinny, Gumby-esque type of figure. And we're all just amazed. We're looking at this guy going, wow, he's on it. Right? And then you suddenly tail off. And not only do you tail off, but you plummet. Right after, coincidentally, you sign a big contract. That's when people in the game of baseball will raise an eyebrow. And they will then say, did you do it? Did you earn that money the right way? That's it. 
And and you understand that because baseball has been scattered with performance enhancing drugs, cheating players. They went I mean they, they went to Capitol Hill for God's sakes to get chastised, to shame the players association into finally admitting there was a problem and saying, "Yeah, maybe we should probably go ahead and test." Otherwise, the American public is going to one not believe anything it is that we do, and two, Major League Baseball all of a sudden is looking really seriously at losing that antitrust uh, issue with the government, and uh, you've already got some problems right now with some of these committee groups, such as uh, consumer fairness, when you're talking about a game that should not be tainted, and yet it is, kind of coming down hard on the sport that is paying the players so much money. Maybe we ought to finally do something about it. So, yeah. You know, you have a right to, to to put pressure on players. Players understand that going in. You're right. He puts a lot of pressure on him. Sure, he does. But I think people, fans, players have the understanding that with success comes the expectation of success. Uh, 877-867-1670. Rich listening to us in Dorchester. Rich, how you doing, man? What's going on? Uh, good morning, afternoon, long time, first time. I was Glad to have you. About- Stadium a little bit. Um, you know that was built within 16 inches of the property line. They wanted it downtown, and uh, that was all they could do. Uh, yep. I have a son that works for them. Uh-huh. Um, it's a beautiful place, and it's I you know I go there to watch it the is. Brewers. The cranes actually worked from the inside of the stadium to pour the walls and to put the place together. Right. Uh, you know it'd be, it would not there wouldn't be no twins if that. They wouldn't have done it that way, and um, I guess it's better. And they wanted it downtown, and, of course, now was, uh, first was uh, violence in Minneapolis. That hasn't helped. But they had tried. I know they canceled the opener yesterday already, trying to uh, be up front with their, uh, with their customers. And, uh, you know, that, that is a problem. But the place does shed water in a hurry because I've, I've been there when it rained, and 15, 20 minutes later they're playing ball again. So it's well mm-hmm. built, drain and stuff, and it's a nice place. If uh, you know, if your listeners can get there, they'll enjoy themselves. Yeah, no, I agree. It, 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 that field is it still called Target? Yeah, it's still called Target. They okay, all, they, uh, they use all their water to water the field too from the uh, the extras there that they're wasting. So mm-hmm. they try not wasting nothing. Right. No, I appreciate the phone call. Target Field is a beautiful stadium. Not arguing that at all. I mean, the, they built that. It's right. It's good. It was the argument, he's right. They wanted it downtown, then they didn't want it downtown. Then they were going to pay so much money, but a lot of that went to what the Vikings wanted because these two stadiums were coming up at about the same time. Both franchises were vying for money at about the same time, public funding about the same time. They gave everything to the Minnesota Vikings. And the Twins, unfortunately, uh, while the stadium is beautiful, and I will never argue that, it's a really nice place to go and watch baseball. I agree with that. But... To look at this and not kind of say, let's afford the same opportunities to our baseball team as we gave to our football team as people of the state of Minnesota or the city of Minneapolis. Just crazy. Just crazy. 877-867-1670. Um, Eric just dropped off, but he was asking if the Packers are worth the combination of all the shares owned. What they're worth. I, that's a great question. I don't know. Are the pack the Packers would be if somebody would come in and buy the Packers? I gotta think 
an investment group would probably pay with the stadium renovated. I mean, if you're buying it lock, stock, and barrel, I got to think it's $2 bucks. Got to. One and a half to two billion. I got to think that. One of the best, most well-known brands. One of the founders of the NFL. I, I got to think that it would be worth one and a half to two billion. Maybe more. Maybe more. But that, I, I don't know what the value of all the stocks are. I couldn't honestly tell you. But yeah, that's that's a good question. But if somebody were to come in and buy it, I got to think it's at least, at least one and a half to two billion, if not more, two and a half maybe something like that. Because the brand, even though it's in the smallest media market in all of sports, um, I got to think the brand carries such heavy weight that that's what it would be worth. Not that we're going to have to worry about that anytime soon. I, I just don't think that's going to happen. Uh, 877-867-1670. Hit us up. 877-867-1670. Stay tuned. More of the Bill Michael Show next. Ready? This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. The Bill Michael Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.